Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It is Legends Camp Week, so we have a megapod of sorts uh, to catch you guys up to speed on some some big news that uh, has happened here in the last few days in terms of commitments and recapping last weekend's official visits. Um, and then we're going to take a break and then we'll spin it forward and provide a little preview um, for Legends Camp, formerly Paradise Camp. It's being rebranded under this Mario Cristobal regime. So I uh, got my main man, Gabby Urrutia, here leading the charge with the recruiting information. Um, and Gabby, let's not bury the lead. Let's let's start with the commits. And let's start with the quarterback commit. Um, Emery Williams, after taking his official visit, I think we were hinting that things were trending this way after his workout went well his, uh, in front of Miami's decision makers the previous week. Um, he decided to pull the trigger and give his commitment to Miami. Um, I guess... How do we feel about this uh, quarterback situation? And, um, you know, Miami has their guy at one of the most important positions in, in all of sports. Yeah. Uh, how I feel about the quarterback situation is probably a, a topic for maybe a little bit later in the pod. But, sure. uh, you know, Emery Williams is, I, I, again, this is someone Miami's really liked kind of from the beginning point of this evaluation. They didn't have to offer him as early as they did, but that was one thing that just came out after Frank Ponds watched him throw up in Milton, uh, you know, in Florida's panhandle, you know, this is a guy that kind of just zeroed in on, right? Like it feels yeah. like this is someone that they just kind of like, they kind of went all in on. They're trusting their evaluation on him. And yeah, you know, not a lot of other power five schools have really jumped on board. Uh, not a lot of offers being thrown his way, but uh, you know, this, again, they, they're trusting themselves. He worked out for them. He threw in front of the staff again, sort of unanimous approval that this guy is someone who could play for them. Uh, when I had moved forward with, with the commitment, that was something that was probably coming for, for some time. I know Miami's happy, uh, to have 
to have him on board. And the official visit was a, was a big factor in just sort of moving this forward because there were a couple other schools. Uh, I believe Florida state was working on trying to get him to throw for them at one point last week. Um, You know, he could have gone to Mississippi state, uh, this, the past, this past weekend, when he officially visited Miami, he could have thrown for the bulldog staff. That's an air raid offense, probably an offense that, you know, as a guy that's maybe more of a true pocket passer who has kind yes. of a big arm, that's an offense that probably could have suited him pretty well. He could have gone and rolled the dice over there, potentially earned an sec offer, uh, especially after being down in Coral Gables, working out for Miami the weekend before he decided to move forward with the Miami official visit. This is where he wants to be. And, uh, again, Miami's happy to have him. Yeah, he's a guy who threw for 2,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, and three interceptions. I think if you watch his film, uh, he definitely has ability. He can definitely make the necessary throws. Um, I am curious to see if he is. Do you think he's going to participate in Legends Camp? Have you gotten a definitive answer on that yet? I haven't gotten one from him. Uh, When I talked to him, you know, right, literally, like, two minutes before he actually went public with the commitment. Um, you know, he was tell he didn't give me a, a firm answer. He said he's still, he's working sure. on it. He's thinking about it. So we'll see. Uh, we'll so, see if he ends up showing up to throw. So if he does throw, I'd like to see how he responds to that competitive environment. Also, you know, it, it is, it's a big deal that he is in the elite 11, right? So that's an opportunity to prove Frank Ponce's evaluation. Correct. And quite frankly, if he does, um, I would think this recruitment might not be over depending on how the Jaden Rashada uh, saga turns out. So um, I like that they are sticking with their evaluations. I think uh, from a recruiting ranking standpoint, this is one of those situations where uh, the industry just needs to continue to, to further gather data on him, get eyes on him. And uh, so he's going to have some opportunities here to improve his ranking. Uh, Miami, of course, doesn't care about that because they feel good about what they've seen already of him. But I'm just saying from a recruiting standpoint, a ranking standpoint, we have to get more eyes on him um, before we can really, truly call him a three-star, in my opinion. So we'll see. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that you know, just I think Cooper Patagna, our twenty four seven sports national analyst, I know he was answering some questions about Emory. I think on Twitter, I mean, and it's true. There's still six months left, really, in this evaluation period, right? These guys are still looking oh, yeah. at everyone. Again, Emory Williams is not someone people have seen a whole ton. Patagna has seen him in person at that Elite 11, had some positive things to say about him, but there's just not a lot of proven data for him, right? There's not a lot of eyes. And again, that Elite 11 is going to be pretty huge. If he goes over there, like kind of like what you're alluding to, David, depending on what happens with Jaden Rashada on Sunday, if he goes on and puts on a performance at the Elite 11, I think, I mean, the Elite 11, I mean, has, you know, all these guys that are going, I think. Emory Williams is sort of the outlier from a ranking standpoint in terms of the right. composite. I don't, I think he's the only one outside of the twenties and he's all the way outside the thirties as well. I think he's like in the forties or something in the composite, all Correct. these other quarterbacks. Are top, yeah. Top, top 10, you know, top five, top 10, uh, you know, top 20 arms. And then you got Emory Williams. So someone in the elite 11 feels yes. some sort of, sort of way about Emory Williams. So again, an opportunity to sort of prove himself. There's going to be a lot of really big time arms. And again, the va- I feel like when you're looking at Emory Williams right now, I think you kind of have to view him as he is very, very early in his evaluation period, because again, not a lot of people are 
I have seen him yet, but a lot of people are very interested to see what he looks like. So I think there's, he's going to get a nice strong look by some of the guys that are going to be out there in California. And, uh, right. you know, people are going to want to see what he truly is. So uh, I right. wouldn't expect that to stick one way or another. He's going to fluctuate still with all this time left. Yes, I would imagine he'll go up in the rankings no right. matter what. It's just a matter of how much, quite frankly. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to wonder why did his team go 0-4 in district play? I yeah. think that's a fair thing to wonder and, and really, you know, examine moving forward. Um, and so at this point, because we haven't really seen much of him with our own two eyes and quite frankly, not many evaluators have um, in the recruiting industry either. I think his ranking now is fair, but I would expect him to go up, you know, either be a highly ranked three-star guy or maybe even uh, enter that four-star mix if he really goes and shows out. So um, we will be rooting on Emery to show out. Uh, from a Miami perspective, right? So uh, good luck to him. Hopefully he comes down. Emery, come down to Ledges Camp. We want to see you. For sure. We want to see you do your thing. So uh, next commitment, right? Uh, Miami picked up a JUCO commitment in Colby Young. And this one's very interesting because he has the ability to immediately enroll. Right. And, and he will be on the roster in 2022. Uh, had 24 receptions for 472 yards nine touchdowns. Um, to me, that's the key is nine touchdowns. That's, that's the number to circle there. Six, four, two, ten. Um, Gabby, how excited is Miami about this at immediate addition to the wide receiver room? Yeah, David. I mean, how long have we been talking about Miami kind of wanting to go out and get another receiver? I feel like that's something we've been kind of pounding the table here on the podcast for, uh, we knew that they were going after Jordan Addison. They were after a couple other guys in the transfer portal. It seems like after the spring, it became pretty evident that that's what they wanted to do, whether you agree with it or not, how you view some of the young guys on the roster. I mean, point that, you know, bottom line is Miami felt like they needed to get another guy and Colby Young is who they sort of landed on. Again, a guy not really highly recruited coming out of high school from upstate New York, probably not a lot of eyes on him, maybe flew under the radar a little bit, landed at Lackawanna. Again, the, the numbers are impressive, and that was in his you know true freshman season. He still has three years of eligibility, was able to stretch the field. Uh, you know, Miami feels like he could be one of those guys that you know attracts just more attention, get maybe take some attention off some of the other playmakers, could be a, a threat in the red zone, could be a you know contested catch type of guy. Uh, again, you talk about his sort of size. I mean, that from what I understand, measured in at six, three and a half, 217 pounds on his official visit over the weekend. So does anyone on Miami's Checked roster out. look, look that way? I don't think so. I think the last time we spoke, Latson, with Fred, maybe. Latson, he's a Latson, little thinner, right? He, I mean, we asked him that one time at Miami, he said he was what two Oh seven. Yeah. So Colby young might have half an inch and, you know, 10 pounds on him. So, um, you know, I think that he's, an, again, another interesting addition. We've talked about, David, in the past, too, how Miami doesn't have a lot of those 6'2", 6'3", plus 200-plus pounders. I think, uh, you know, with Frank Ladson, you added that. With Colby Young, you added that. I think Isaiah Horton potentially has a chance to, yeah. you know, get up there. So I think you're adding some of that size and strength to the receiver room. Colby Young is someone they're excited about. I'm excited to kind of watch him compete again. I think this is a little bit more open than people probably realize. And uh, I think he's going to have a chance here, probably second summer session when he's able to actually join the team and start working out and he's enrolled in classes. Uh, and then of course, summer workouts that they do individually and with the, with the strength staff and then into, you know, 
the fall camp and all that fun stuff. I think he's going to have a chance to, to earn some reps. Agreed. And yeah, I, I like the take from, you know, the, the standpoint of adding some diversity of skill set to that room. Um, and again, I think the key here is, is that nine touchdown number, right? So you have a, a guy that doesn't mind the contact at wide receiver, you know, the bumping that happens with DBs when you got to make those contested catches. Um, I think too, it, you know, in the red zone, it's a, it's a big thing to have a guy like that as well. Um, you know, the, the top returning wide receivers in terms of touchdowns from last year's team, Keyshawn Smith, uh, who, you know, I like as from a speed standpoint, I think he's got some big playability. I think he needs to continue to improve finishing uh, some downfield opportunities. Uh, but he, he played 600 snaps last year and had only three touchdowns. Uh, Restrepo didn't play nearly as many snaps. Uh, Xavier Restrepo, but he had two touchdowns last year. Rashard Smith barely played any snaps as a true freshman. He had two touchdowns last year. So, um, and, and Frank Latson, right? He came from Clemson, uh, but for his career, he played 650 snaps at Clemson and he totaled six touchdowns. So that's a little bit of a better number. I think Colby Young is a success uh, at Miami if, if he can get you know, I don't know how big his role is going to be in terms of pure snaps, but if he's a guy that that can get you five, six, maybe seven touchdowns, just like as a red zone type guy, I think that's that's a big time addition. You know, I kind of look at him. He's not as big because Lawrence Cager has a massive frame like he is. He's a legit six, five and a legit like two twenty. But I look at him kind of like a. Lawrence Cager ish type of guy. And, and his, his last season at Miami, he had 374 yards and six touchdowns and he averaged 17.8 yards per catch that year. Um, he went on to Georgia and had an even more productive year for the Bulldogs the next year. Uh, but Cager was a guy that, you know, he did, it was frustrating at times because you see his big frame and he wouldn't come down as with as many contested catches as, as you would hope. But uh, pro football focus for his career graded him out with coming down with 23 of 41 contested catch opportunities in his college career. So, um, you know, when things get tight in the red zone, I think it's a big deal to have those guys where you can just throw it up uh, because they have that big catch radius and can come down with it you know, quarterbacks, while this isn't an issue for Tyler Van Dyke, precision is not an issue. He doesn't necessarily have to be precise. He doesn't have to wait for wide receivers to be open uh, or even throw them open um, in those tight red zone windows. When you have a guy like a Colby Young or potentially even a Frank Ladson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm for this. I think Juco guys can be like, I don't think the hit rate on them is super high. So I am curious with how this goes. Um, but I do like the idea of what Colby Young potentially can be at Miami. So hopefully it works out. Yeah. And I think a good year thing here, he has three years of eligibility. So even if it yeah. isn't right now, I think he's someone that you like to have on the roster. Yeah. I'm all for adding the size. Um, next commit to touch on. 
tight end Reed McKeska. Uh, Gabby dropped, I believe you dropped the first Miami crystal ball, correct? Yeah. 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 After his official visit, um, three star tight end at a Bridgeland high school in Cypress, Texas, six, six, two thirty three. Um, Gabby, how, how excited is Miami about Reed and now their tight end pair that they have committed? Yeah, I, I think they're really excited. Uh, you know, Reed is someone that they identified, I think, pretty early on. I mean, I guess not super early on. He's someone that really blew up, I guess, this like the offseason after his, his junior year. Um, again, I think he's someone that could do a little bit of everything. Maybe, uh, you know, again, maybe yeah. someone that could flex out, but I think really where they, I think Miami sees some value in him is as someone that can already grow again, you mentioned his size, six, six, uh, 233 pounds as a incoming high school senior. I think he's someone that Miami can bulk up and really develop into one of those inline type of blockers that they could really just kind of stick on the edge of a, at the end of a tackle or whatever it is, and just help in the run game against someone that has, you know, that's athletic. I think he's ran in the four, six range. So he's someone that could run too. And, you know, I think that they believe his best football sort of ahead of him, but he can be kind of a do it all type of tight end for them. And of course, of course we know Mario Cristobal likes to pound the rock. We saw what Josh Gaddis kind of did at Michigan with the tight ends. I think, you know, I think Reed Mikeska, Jackson Carver, both those guys kind of hint at the type of, you know, formations that they want to run on offense, right. maybe some 12 personnel, uh, those types of things where they can just kind of stack the offensive line and get physical with dudes. We, we hear again, constantly about the trenches. I'm always talking about the trenches. These two guys, I, I think both Carver and Mikeska can develop into strong blockers that could also do a little bit more for you as well. So um, they're super excited about these two guys. I, I think I've reported, you know, over the past few weeks that if these were the two that they got, Mikeska and Carver, Miami would be super happy with that. We'll see if it only if it ends up with just these two guys. But right now, as things stand, uh, I mean, Miami's thrilled about their the fact that they were able to lock in both those guys. Both officially visited the same weekend. I think both developed a sort of friendship. And uh, Miami's happy to to have both those guys on board. Uh, I think those were the two that they really, really wanted. Yeah, I like this take a lot. I I normally don't nitpick the the rankings, but I do think Reed is a little underrated. And, and again, there's time for evaluations and changes to the rankings to happen. Um, but I think he's more athletic than maybe he's given credit for. Um, so I I do think he can be somewhat of an impact player. Um, uh, as, as a, as a receiving threat, uh, from an inline blocker standpoint or, or an H back standpoint, and then you look at the schools that wanted him, right? Clemson, he decommitted from Oklahoma wanted him and, uh, Florida wanted him. He canceled his Florida visit. Um, uh, and that's when it was kind of a lock that he was going to Miami, but I'm with you in terms of the two tight end sets, honestly, like this, you know, it, we hear so much in college football about spread, 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 tempo, tempo, tempo. I love the two tight end sets. When you have two legitimate tight ends that can get it done on the field together, I think that gives college defenses nightmares. And I think it makes your offense much more difficult to defend when you can put two tight ends on the field at the same time. Both, both of those guys can block. Both of those guys can be an impact in the passing game. When you have that going, defenses don't know what's coming in right. terms of the runner pass, right? And, and I think back to 2016 when they had Najoku and Herndon doing that. And, you know, I remember talking to some coaches that they played against, you know, after they the 
after Miami played against some of these teams and, and they would just tell me how much of a nightmare those two guys were to defend uh, for their defense. So uh, you got to give credit to Stephen Field too. Um, he's doing a really good job, I think, recruiting the tight end position, dating back to Jaleel Skinner, who's another guy that's pushing 6'6". Um, you know, Stephen Field was essentially the last hire on this UM coaching staff, even though he was retained, um, things were kind of left up in the air for a while. And, uh, you know, to me, that kind of sends a message from Mario Cristobal that you got to prove yourself a little bit. And I think Stephen Field is definitely doing that uh, by putting together a solid, not even a solid, a good tight end group that might not be done yet, which we'll get to here soon anything else on mr mckeska no i think that's good there all right so let's recap the buzz coming out of the official visits this past weekend uh, we've already discussed emory williams and colby young um, but there are more to talk about so let's transition to the other tight end that miami is recruiting um you know if this class is going to hold three tight ends it's because four-star Riley Williams, who is number 66 overall in the country, he's out of Central Catholic in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it would be because he decides to jump in the boat. Um, he's going to announce his decision on July 1st, and his final three is Miami, Alabama, and Ohio State. Gabby, seems to be some positive feelings right now for Riley Williams and Miami. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. I mean, you, you talk about the competition, the three that Miami's kind of in this with Alabama and Ohio state. I mean, that's the company you want to be recruiting in and that's the company that you want to be winning recruitments against, right? Like those are the schools that you want to be going toe to toe with. And those are the schools you want to beat on the recruiting trail um, right now. Yeah. I mean, this, it, it makes for a very interesting situation as we've obviously just touched down two tight ends already on the boat, are they going to take three? I think the answer is yes. And the answer is yes. If yeah. Riley Williams, it's Riley. Is, if it's Riley Williams, I think, I think that there, that's a, just, that's something that they're going to have to do. Yeah. Is that going to cause some, you know, maybe conversations? Is that going to maybe cause some hesitant, like some hesitancy? I don't even know if that's a real word um, from maybe Here's some the of thing, the other though. guys. Like last cycle, they only took one, right? It was right. just Jaleel. So yeah. you can kind of sell that like normally we take two a cycle. We only took one last cycle. So we're going to take three this cycle. And also too, I think you sell too. Like normally when we, if we take three in a cycle, that probably means we're only going to take one guy the next cycle. So to me, like if I'm Miami and I got to have those conversations, that's how I sell it. Yeah, I think there. I think there's definitely a way to do it, but I do think that there's going to be. I'm talking yes. about other schools coming in. They're going to. Oh yeah. Be calling up Negative Reed Mikeska. They're going to be calling up Jackson Carver. Like, hey, you can come be tight end one in our class, or do you want to be tight right. end? You know, they'll probably say, do you want to be Miami's third tight end, or do you want to be our number one tight end? And again, I think that that's a situation Miami's going to have to continue to to sort of manage. But again, I think what Miami's made clear to both those guys is that they're highly valued and. uh, 
right. you know, they want to keep him on board, which is uh something. But yeah, I mean, whenever you, look, this is Riley Williams is the top tight end on Miami's board. He's been at Miami's top tight end on the boards really since Mario Cristobal and these guys got here. They're in a situation where they could potentially land him. And, uh, you know, again, coming off this Miami official visit cancels Oregon where he's from. I mean, a Portland native, his older brother played for Mario Cristobal at Oregon, yeah, you know, crazy. crosses off the ducks. Miami's kind of trending on the crystal ball with a couple predictions from Brandon Huffman, who, you know, holds down the Pacific Northwest, Steve Wiltfong, the director of recruiting. Um, you know, this is a situation that's playing in Miami's favor right now. Seems like the hurricanes are starting to develop some, you know, down downhill momentum on the recruiting trail. Yep. July 1st is a really big day. I mean, he's not the only top prospect that's announcing right. that day. I mean, of course, again, we'll get to some of the other stuff uh, a little bit later, but this is a big one for Miami. And if they can, if they can nail Riley Williams, I think at the end of the year, when we're talking about positional breakdowns, who signed the best classes in the country for each position, I would be shocked if there was anything but a you uh, when they're talking about tight ends and the best classes in the country. How do you think Riley compares to Jackson Carver and Reed McKeska? Is he more of a pass catcher? Cause he's also a six foot six guy. Yeah. Um, how does he differ? Yeah, I think he's more of like the the flex type. I think maybe more of like the Elijah Royo type. I don't want to call him like a Jaleel Skinner because I think Jaleel Skinner athletically is kind of like freaky and long and stuff yeah. like that. But I think he's more of just a, a tight end that you're going to be able to throw some weight on, but it's still going to be impactful in the in the passing game. I think he's really athletic in that way. Um, so I think re, I think Riley Williams is maybe more of like the complete package of a tight end and you know someone that could maybe again if we're if I'm like pointing out one of these guys to make an early impact, it would probably be at Riley Williams. Jackson Carver is, I mean, this is another thing to consider too. Like Jackson Carver is probably going to need a red shirt year. I think he knows that uh, yeah. he's very young in the game of football. Uh, is probably going to get in, work out all that stuff. So really it might be McKeska and Riley Williams that are really the two quote unquote tight ends. And then Jackson Carver is a guy that maybe you stash for a year before you really expect anything from him too. So I think that's another way to maybe spin it. Um, but I think Riley Williams is one of these guys that can be an impact pass catcher for you. And again, the versatility, we're talking about the 12 personnel and then having those different tight ends that can do so many different things. Well, I think a lot of defenses now maybe built for the spread because they've right. had to adapt for offenses. So when you have these mismatched type of tight ends that can both block well, that can catch the ball well, that can run well, and you don't really know what's going on. You can't really bet on any single thing. I think that you can create a lot of problems for defense. It's kind of like what you were alluding to earlier. I think Riley Williams is another guy that just gives you a lot. So I'm, I'd be excited about Miami potentially adding him. Yeah. Who knows like how long Josh Gaddis will be Miami's offensive coordinator. Cause if things go well, he will get some head coaching opportunities. Um, but at Michigan last year, uh, the Wolverines used three tight ends quite a bit during the yeah. course of the season. I think there was three tight ends that had at least like the third tight end had 200 plus snaps. Um, so, you know, I would assume whether or not Josh Gaddis is here for a long time, uh, that's the style Mario Cristobal will still want in his play caller, right. a guy that will use tight ends like that. Um, before we leave the Riley Williams talk, how close are you to putting in a crystal ball for Riley Williams to Miami? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty close. Um, you know, I think this is one of those situations that just maybe just want to wait it out. Because, again, you kind of have to look at the competition, too. And it's one of those things. Just, if Alabama right. really turns it up, you know, what happens there? Again, Ohio State, what they're building right now is, is really special. I mean, we saw what they just did with a couple five stars in Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes. Uh, if Riley Williams is, is one of the tight ends that they feel really good about, again, when they turn it, if they turn it up like that, 
Miami already having those two guys. So I'm just kind of maybe being a little bit more conservative um, yeah. on this situation. But right now I'm feeling really good about where Miami stands, reading the tea leaves, kind of shutting things down and saying he's going to make a commitment. Just, you know, what is it? 36 hours after that Miami official visit wraps up. Again, I think right. those are, I think those are good signs. You know, I think when you're just, again, just following trends, I think that's something that you can look at and be like, all right, that's probably a good thing for Miami because he didn't go see Oregon when he was scheduled to. So um, right now yeah. I'm feeling all right about Miami. I think your approach is fair just because, you know, we're a little more than a week away. When you're when you got schools like Alabama and Ohio State involved, there can be lots of twists and turns in that final week up leading up to the decision. So we'll see uh, if Miami can maintain that momentum for about, what, eight or nine days. Um, all right. Let's jump to Jaden Wayne, uh, four-star defensive lineman, number 41 in the country out of Lincoln High School in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, Georgia is in here, LSU's in here, Oregon, Alabama. Um, Jaden Wayne is a, is a guy that Miami has been on dating back to the Manny Diaz era, right? right. Um, he has a longstanding relationship with Mario Cristobal going back to Oregon. Um, so he took his official visit to Miami. Uh, he visited, um, on elite prospect day back in January as well. Um, what's the feeling for Mr. Wayne coming out of the weekend? Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's, again, we've talked about how well-traveled he is. He's seen so many different schools. I think a lot of people, even college coaches get a tough time getting a, a just a, a good read on him. I'm not sure Miami's in the best. I wouldn't put Miami in the best position right now, uh, you know, with all these official visits. Uh, you know, I think Oregon could eventually be tough to beat if he were to stay closer to home. You know, so I think the crystal ball right now is on Georgia for him. I think there's a lot of schools in there that are in the mix. I think Miami's done a lot. I'm just not sure that, uh, you know, they're going to end up being the pick when it's all said and done. I'm not saying that that's definitely the case. That's yeah. just kind of like the vibe I kind of get just talking to some people who are on the official visits. And I don't think there's any particular reason for that. Uh, I think Miami's done everything that they can. Right. I'm, I'm not even sure distance is really a factor, but he's someone also that kind of has like a stoic, like kind of unfazed demeanor. It's not doesn't really speak a lot. Like, you know, it's kind of a man of few words. And again, I think he had a great time at Miami. I just think that there's other schools that have positioned themselves maybe a little bit better at this point. All right. We'll see Miami. I mean, Mario Cristobal is not going to stop. And, right. uh, you know, we've seen him pull out some battles too, where it was looking a little dire for Miami. One of them we'll talk about here in a little bit and Jaden Rashada, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, right now we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with Jaden Wayne moving forward. How about John Walker? The four-star number 97 overall defensive tackle in the uh, player in the country that plays defensive tackle 6'3", 310 out of Osceola High School in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, seems like Florida, probably the team to beat. Michigan in there, Ohio State in there, and UCF, the local school as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just kind of, again, just some people at Miami may think Ohio, think Ohio State's really in there. Uh, I, my feeling is Florida, uh, again, just kind of, I think Florida is going to be tough to beat. You kind of look at that October 23 commitment date, and then he's going to see Florida for an official visit just before that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that means nothing. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but that just kind of, that to me is just kind of a tell towards where he's leaning again. I'm sure he'll take more, more unofficial visits. Maybe he'll go come down see Miami for a game or whatever it is. But I mean, I'm still looking at Florida right now as potentially the team to beat. 
and some of these, uh, you know, big 10 schools, Michigan, Ohio state, I think are in there as well. And I think some think Ohio state is, uh, is maybe a school to watch too. Again, six foot three, 200, 310 pounds. They don't make a ton of them like him. And again, has that really business-like mentality, uh, with Miami. I don't think he posts photos of his visits or, or a lot of the time, you know, I think he's someone that's kind of all about, you know, how can you develop me again? That's why Miami likes him. But, um, right now, I, I mean, I think it's hard to, to bet on anyone, but Florida, but I do think it was notable that he shuffled things around to add Miami to this official visit schedule. So, um, that's about where, where I am with John Walker right now. Raymond Cottrell, who is a Georgia commit. Uh, he's a wide receiver. Um, Four-star guy, teammate of Emory Williams at Milton High School in the Panhandle. Uh, he he committed to Georgia back in November. He has in June he has visited Georgia and Texas A&M this summer. Uh, you know, somewhat of a surprise uh, official visitor, right? Right. Um, he he's kind of keeping things quiet, understandably because he is committed to Georgia. Uh, now that Emory's in the boat. I guess, uh, is this one we're going to need to keep monitoring, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Again, uh, you know, I think just talking to some people, some, you know, kind of expecting to get Emery Williams coming off that official visit. Obviously, they did. Um, I think what they were really, I think really what they're trying to accomplish is potentially flipping Raymond Cottrell and getting him when they got Emery Williams, sort of Raymond Cottrell flips, Emery Williams commits, all that stuff. They got a nice little package deal, you know, kind of two for one. Uh, that didn't happen. I don't think Miami necessarily expects that to happen right now either. Um, again, he's still with Georgia Texas A&M is in there, but, uh, I don't think that it was a situation where they're going after Emory to get Cottrell. I think they just tried to maybe capitalize on the fact that they liked Emory and could also potentially get, you know, a top receiver in the country. I don't think it necessarily went as planned, uh, but I think they're still going to try to get Cottrell on board because they're trying to load up on these receivers. And, uh, you know, I think he's one that they're sort of, they've identified as a guy that is potentially within the realm of possibility, considering his quarterback is on his quarterback and close friend is on board. Cottrell visited the first time Emory Williams visited, Cottrell visited also. That was kind of kept hush hush, but uh, you know it wasn't his first time down at Miami. Right. So I think it's I think he's definitely someone to continue to monitor. Yeah, with Emory in his ear, that's that's definitely one to keep an eye on. But to your point, there's also, of course, we all know now, big time wide receivers in South Florida this cycle that Miami's chasing as well. Um, and then last one is Darren Reed. The six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound. Well, I guess second to last one. There's one more uh, out of Carver High School in Columbus, Georgia. Four star guy. Um, LSU, Ohio State, and Auburn all believe to be in there as well. Uh, you've kind of hinted, I think, going into this one, this might be a long shot, uh, or not a long shot, but Miami's got its work cut out for themselves. Do you still feel that way coming out of the visit? Yeah, I think it's still probably an uphill battle. Uh, you know, I think LSU is in a really good position. I think Miami's under the impression that Ohio State is also, you know, very much in the mix. I know, I think uh, Steve Wiltfunk flipped that Ohio State crystal ball to LSU. But from what I mean, I was texting Darren Reed over the weekend. It sounded like he was having a great visit. Um, I just think potentially the SEC could be attractive. And then, of course, Ohio State is, is Ohio State. So um, I'm not ruling him out completely. I probably feel a little bit better about Miami today okay. than I did going into the weekend. Uh, I think that they feel like they did a really, really good job. And, you know, I think that they felt like they were potentially up there with Ohio state. Again, they didn't really mention LSU. So I don't know. Um, maybe, I don't know how maybe aware they were of the LSU thing or whatever it is, but, uh, 
I think LSU is probably one of those big schools. I mean, Auburn's another SEC school, but I'm more worried about the Tigers right now than maybe, yeah. um, you know, well, I'm saying the Tigers, they're both the Tigers. Um, the LSU, then maybe Auburn right now. And then I would probably go Ohio State and then Miami. Last official visitor from last weekend to touch on offensive tackle Logan Howland, a big, long offensive tackle prospect, 6'7", 280 out of the Hun School in Princeton, New Jersey. What do we need to know there, Gabby? Yeah, I think this is interesting just because, you know, during his official visit, uh, another tackle Miami like Tommy Kinsler, who I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later on the pod as well. He commits to Florida. And, uh, I, you know, I mentioned Logan Howland may not be at the very top, you know, the tippy-tippy top of the offensive tackle board, but he's someone they, that they like. And I got some reassurance that they would take him as a, you know, potentially a developmental guy. I think the feeling is that Michigan might be the team to beat right now. I'm curious if Miami, you know, kind of maybe mid, not mid visit, but, uh, you know, maybe internally we're like, okay, if Tommy Kinsler is, uh, you know, headed to Florida, I think that kind of scoots Logan Howland a little bit higher, higher up the board. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I think he's someone that they really like. I, he stayed a little bit longer than some of the other official visitors. From what I'm told, he stayed in like, you know, into Monday, uh, okay. with his family to, you know, be around Miami a little bit longer. So I think that that's a positive, um, but I'm still, I think the Wolverines, I, I, again, are, are kind of viewed as probably the top contenders right now. I think Ohio, uh, not Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma and Iowa, Iowa are a few other contenders. Yeah, he's got some big-time offensive line schools after right. him. He's a three-star guy, but he's well thought of uh, by offensive line uh, schools. Uh, all right, midweek visitors. Miami's got some big-time uh, visitors on campus now and uh let's again not bury the lead and talk about the quarterback um situation with four-star quarterback Jaden Rashada um visiting Miami before he's set to make a decision on Sunday June 26. He is the number 45 overall player in the country he's out of Pittsburgh California um he visited Miami back in the spring, checked out a spring football practice. Things seem to be really hot on both sides between Mr. Rashad and Miami at that time. And uh, things cooled, I think, for a little bit. And now things are heating up again. So welcome to recruiting in <laughs> 2022, the NIL era. Yeah. Um, first, Gabby, just um, what's your impression on, on – how serious both sides are about each other right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, I think honestly, I really do think both sides are pretty serious about it. I think the Rashad, I, I just kind of maybe just, uh, just to lay the timeline out, Rashad is supposed to be committed right now. His, uh, his original right. plan was he committed June 18th, which I believe was this past Saturday, uh, maybe Sunday. Um, that didn't happen. He pushes back that commitment to June 26, which is this coming Sunday. Once he did that, you know, the reason was basically he was going to get down to Miami. That was to give him some more time to take that last final visit. It was going to be to Miami. So I think, again, when you're kind of looking at the situation there, it's they are serious about Miami because they're doing that. And, uh, you know, the sense I get is that Miami wants to land one of these top quarterbacks. They're willing to take two quarterbacks. As we mentioned previously, they are high on Emory Williams. I think they think yes. they think super highly of him. They think he's a great quarterback. You know, they think he's probably flying under the radar right now. They love that evaluation. At the same time, 
they want to make sure that they have a top arm. You know, they, it, it is an arm race in college football. You need to, you know, quarterback kind of drives the bus. And, uh, you know, they feel like Jaden Rashad is one of the absolute best in the country. So they are doing what they can to try to get in on this Jaden Rashad situation. I think they're super serious about it. I don't think Mario Cristobal, the staff is big on wasting their time. I think if right. they're doing this, at, they're making this final push, it's because they absolutely want to land Jaden Rashad. So um, I do think both sides are, are really being open-minded about it and are trying to see if this is, if, if this is going to be the move on Sunday. I do think uh, two quarterbacks, you can sell that in the first full recruiting cycle right. of a new head coach. So I think that makes sense. I think too, landing a top 50 player that is a quarterback matters from a perception standpoint right. in recruiting, right? Um, you know, independent of how good or how much better Rashada or Emery Williams is compared to each other. Um, perception matters in recruiting. And when you have a quarterback that's regarded as one of the best in the country by the rankings, that matters for the other players in the class you're trying to recruit, right? Big time receivers want to know who's the quarterback coming in with me. Offensive linemen want to know who's the quarterback coming, running backs, which they should, honestly. If I was a recruit, I would look at that as well. Um, so I do think it does have a, I, I think it has a domino effect um, on the ceiling of what your class can be if you can go out and land one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, who do you feel like is the biggest threat? I think, you know, going in, like before he pushed uh, his commitment date back, the buzz seemed to be Florida. Is that the same impression Miami has, would you say? Yeah, I would say Florida is probably the school. Again, I think if he followed through with the commitment, I think it would have been to Florida. I think something A&M is still, you know, lingering around sure. here as well. Um, I think those are probably the three schools right now. I would be surprised if maybe he picked a school outside of A&M, Florida, or Miami. And I mean, I don't think I'm breaking anything here, right? This is just the nature of recruiting nowadays, uh, especially a quarterback, uh, a big time quarterback. The NIL has to be on point right. um, when, when factoring Florida, Texas A&M and Miami, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're seeing, you know, some of the reported deals, I mean, yeah, we don't have to go super in depth, but yeah, we don't have to pretend like NIL is not a, not right. a plan, not playing a factor. Right. So, uh, are you hearing anything in terms of how the visit's going right now? Um, any buzz that way, or, or you'll catch all that buzz after it's wrapped up. I mean, I, I kind of shot around some messages yesterday and, you know, from everything that I kind of gather, it's been, it's, you know, it seems like things are going well. Uh, you know, Cooper Patagna, the 24 seven sports analyst actually spent some time on Mario Crispo staff on, at Oregon, you know, went on the, the inside the U message boards on uh, Wednesday morning and he dropped some scoops saying on his end, uh, he's hearing some positive things about where my about Miami and Jaden Rashada right now. He's not putting in a forecast or anything like that, but he says the buzz that he's getting is that the you know the Hurricanes are in the best spot to potentially land that commitment on Sunday. So um, you know, Patagonist not a big scoop guy. You know, he's a, a guy right. with a but college personal background. Yeah, absolutely, he has uh, some connections. So when he comes on the board, you know, dropping some scoop, it's because uh, you know I definitely trust that he has. Um, you know, some people telling him the right thing. So uh, right now, I, I really do think the, the Miami's in the best spot. And again, you, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's, 
not, not that it's obvious or anything like that, but again, you kind of follow this and it's like, I, he pushed it back. He came down to Miami. I think that just yeah, says the something. tea leaves tell you. The but tea leaves tell you. Yeah, exactly. But it also, we, it the Jaden Rashada well. stuff has kind right. of been all over the place. It's been you, all, it's been way like all over the, the place seats. for yeah. sure. And so, but you know, I think, I think Miami is in a good spot right now. I think that they're, you know, making their push, you know, over the, these next few days, he's, you mentioned the different types of players that would, would want to come play with him. Uh, you know, he's got two big offensive linemen on campus with him right now, David, I know we'll get to them, yeah. but Peyton Kirkland, uh, you know, a top tackle prospect, Francis Maui Goa, who's, you know, the number one rated tackle in the, in the, in the composite. So, you know, two big linemen and, uh, you know, if Jaden Rashad is saying the right things to potentially them during this week, if this is in, his intention for Sunday, you know, I think that Miami potentially, that that, yeah, it definitely helps Miami with, uh, you know, some guys that might be protecting him. So let's transition into that, right? And let's start with the five-star offensive tackle, Francis Maui Goa, 6'5", 330 at an IMG Academy. He's getting all five of his official visits in this month, right, Gabby? Right. Alabama, Florida, USC. Miami, and I think he's wrapping it up with Tennessee. Um, what do, what's the vibes there? I mean, I feel like you kind of look at these schools that he's visiting, right? And it's like you see that the quarterback's kind of a factor. I mean, Tennessee, I feel like kind of emerged when yes. Nico Yamalieva kind of put, started pushing for Tennessee. You know, he's obviously the quarterback committed there. I think you've kind of seen the reaction from others with Tennessee, with Nico, kind of with Nico on the boat for the volunteers. So, um, you know, he just went to USC. I think that they're probably a really big threat. I mean, from American Samoa, you know, his family is the reason he's squeezing in all these visits is because his family is with him. And, you know, I think these visas, you basically have like a month, probably a month and some change to, to be here. And so you're, maybe it's just difficult for them to kind of get to get here. So they just want to try to get it out as quickly as possible. So I know USC is, is going to be a big factor, uh, I mean, he does play at IMG Academy, so he spent right. the last two years in the Sunshine State. So I don't think that being on the West Coast is necessarily all that big of a deal. But I do think the idea of USC is pretty intriguing. I think Miami's potentially a, a, a spot for him. He has a really good relationship with Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal. That dates, dates back to their time at Oregon. They were considered a, a potentially the top contender while they're out at Oregon. So a long stand, a really good tight bonds there. I think he understands those are two of the best. He's told me Alex Mirabal is one of the best offensive line coaches in the past. And, uh, you know, again, he's kind of, he unofficially visited a second time where we kind of spent some, you know, personal quality time around this, the program too. So this is his third visit to Miami since he, since this staff has been here. Um, so I think he sees some value in that, but right now I'm probably looking at USC potentially Tennessee, if it, you know, this right. kind of, you know, Nico, yeah, the NIL, the Nico juice, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, follows through, but you know, right now I don't, I don't think Miami's in a bad spot at all. Yeah. And again, number one offensive lineman in the country, NIL is going to play a factor, uh, which of course is not a bad thing for Miami. Um, right. so, uh, honestly, like a, a fellow offensive lineman who is just as big from a, uh, physical standpoint, which is rare. Uh, four-star offensive lineman Peyton Kirkland out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips, 6'6", 345. Four-star guy, number 260 overall in the country. He has visited Florida, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. He is going to make his decision in July. Uh, what do we need to know about this one? I feel like We've talked about him a lot this cycle. I feel like he's visited UM plenty on his own uh, this calendar year. So what do we need to know about Mr. Kirkland as 
as he's on his official visit right now. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a guy Miami feels pretty good about right now. And, uh, you know, just kind of talking to some people around the visit right now. It's actually, again, I don't, I might, again, might maybe take this with a grain of salt, but I think Miami's more concerned about Oklahoma, Alabama, and Michigan State than maybe they even are about Florida, which is a, uh, which the is mac a, and cheese. Yeah. I don't know if it's the mac and cheese. Uh, you know, maybe it's the prime 112 that they had on, <laughs> on, uh, on Tuesday night that maybe swayed things. But, uh, you know, I really do think that there's that, you know, there, Miami's, maybe more concerned about some of those other programs. I think some thought Florida might've been maybe the primary contender, but I'm honestly not sure if that's the case. And uh, I think he might get to Alabama this coming weekend. I think that could potentially be a big one. Um, I think the idea of potentially playing for Mel Tucker is intriguing. Oklahoma has done a really good job recruiting him, but again, Miami is closer to home. He's really close to mom. I think that they've developed a really strong bond, a lot of trust. Uh, You know, Mario Cristobal personally drove them around in the, you know, rented uh, SUVs that they drive around and they're, you know, going to South beach, potentially going to to the, the beach or whatever it is that they're doing. But I know Mario Cristobal, was personally driving around the Kirkland. So um, again, I think Miami's kind of done what they can. Again, I think Jaden Rashada being on this visit, if he is the quarterback, is a big deal. I think yeah. that that I think it's good that they all kind of get to spend time together. Um, if again, if Jaden Rashada is planning on going to Miami, I'm sure he's at least communicating with some of his peers that hey, you know, if I make this move, you know, you you guys are the guys I want here. All those types of things. I'm not saying that that's definitely happening, but um, you know, I do think it's a uh, it's important, and I think Miami feels okay about how they feel about Peyton Kirkland right now. And I know they had some, you know, intense personal conversations with the family, and uh, I think that's the feeling that they had coming out of that. Last guy to touch on in terms of midweeks, Robert Stafford, uh, who is out of Melbourne, Florida, 5'11", 171. Uh, I think he's regarded as an athlete. He might play more wide receiver at the high school level, but probably projects as a corner because he's fast, twitched up. Uh, He has visited Kentucky, Arkansas, and Oregon. Gabby, this is kind of a newer name, I think, on the radar. What's what's the deal here? Yeah, I think this is a guy Miami needs to lock in on. I mean, you talk about the location as a guy from Melbourne, plays at Ugali. Miami needs cornerbacks, right? Like they, they need to sort of figure this out. I thought that they did a good job last cycle. I think they need to continue stacking these cornerbacks classes. It was two cycles ago where they took one cornerback and it was Malik Curtis, who wasn't even a true corner. I think they need to continue to stack talent at this position. And Robert Stafford, the guy here in the Sunshine State, that's just too close to Miami to let him go to Kentucky, to let him go to an Oregon, or to let him go to Arkansas or one of those schools. You know, I I think he's a, a big time athlete. I think he has a really high ceiling. He's long. I think he's physically built as a guy that's going to transition to college. Well, um, you know, uh, again, I, I, he's fast. He has the multi-sport, you know, athletic background. I think he checks a lot of boxes, you know? So I think this is someone that coach a day, uh, a die, DeMarcus Van Dyke, uh, Terry Jefferson, all the guys that do the, do the, the defensive back recruiting are kind of realizing uh, this is someone we maybe need to get on board. So I think yeah. it's big that he kind of squeezed in this midweek. He had some of those other officials visits set up, made sure to get back down to Miami after taking an unofficial at some point in the spring. So again, uh, if, if staying close matters, staying close to home matters to him. I think it's, I think it's a big deal that Miami's able to get him on board. One thing him, I like you know, about campus. you touched on him being a uh, multi-sport athlete. He plays basketball. Yeah. He's a pretty good high school player, um, and I like that. And it's he runs right. track, too. Right. So defensive back, you know, 
he has the speed with his track speed and the basketball would indicate some ball skills, uh, which is a must nowadays um, at the cornerback spot. Cause if you get those opportunities to intercept passes, you got to come down with it because modern day quarterbacks keep getting better and better with each year. Um, so I'm intrigued by Mr. Stafford as well. And uh, we'll see what the word is when he, when that visits over. So let's take a break. That's part one of this mega podcast. Um, and in the second half, we will get into legends camp and a loaded official visitors weekend. Um, and then just kind of lay out who is going to make commitments in terms of commitments are being planned in July, who, who they are June and July, who are they? And uh, when are they? So uh, I've fumbled enough here. Let's take a break and see you on the other side. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, we are back. Gabby, I want to highlight here as we get into Legends Camp Talk, we have a uh, subscription deal provided by 24-7 Sports, um, 60% off. So that gets you an annual VIP subscription for $43. Um, I think that's a lot of value. We appreciate all of our subscribers, everyone who uh, listens to the podcast and decides to uh, join us on the VIP level on the website inside the U. Um, so just wanted to highlight that. The subscription deal is running between uh, Thursday um, till Monday at midnight. So you'll get all the scoop leading up to the big Jaden Rashada decision as well. So I think it's, it's a good time to jump on board. I, this is going to be a pivotal weekend uh, in terms of the guys they have on official visits and just legends camp in general. It's a massive weekend for uh, the trajectory of this program. So Let's get into Legends Camp. Um, it's different feel this year, Gabby. Obviously, yeah. the name change, right? Paradise Camp to Legends Camp. Um, but the 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 other obvious thing uh, that's different is the time uh, of the camp. It seems like they're just like 
they're typical individual camps or seven on seven camps. They start in the morning, uh, get it in and, uh, you know, the afternoon ends in the afternoon sometime early afternoon. Yeah. Um, that's how this legends camp is going to go too. Have you gotten any feel for why it is that way? Is it because was it last year's camp that got rained out? Yeah, it was a, really bad. So that might factor into it. Also, too, this is a loaded official visit weekend. And just the sense I have is that, you know, Mario Cristobal wants to be all in in terms of recruiting uh, these official visitors. He doesn't want to necessarily be pulled away much by the camp. Uh, so is there anything else, any other reasons you think in terms of why the camp is happening in the morning? I mean, yeah, I think there could be a different, a couple of different factors. I haven't heard of anything, you know, specific. Um, I think one reason could be, I think last, last, I mean, quote paradise camp, the Saturday was just the guys kind of hanging out, talking to the legends and all that stuff. I think, I think they value that Saturday night where they can go and take them out and, you know, maybe go do things, whether that's dinner at, you know, a Smith and Walensky type of place or right. a prime one twelve or whatever it is. You're it talking is that about they the official do. visitors, right? Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. the official visitors. So, um, you know, again, last year, I remember it was just like Devon Jackson kind of ended up hanging out with his dad for a while. The linebacker who ended up signing with Oregon was just ended up kind of around his dad, just kind of hanging out. All the staffers are kind of busy doing their things. Um, you know, Wesley Besaint was just kind of hanging out with Mario Tolan, watching some guys go through drills. It what I feel like the official visit was, I mean, intimate during the day and all that stuff. But then I feel like that nighttime where you can kind of take advantage and you can do certain things, you kind of get lost in all that because then you're setting up, you know, throughout the afternoon and all that stuff. So I think a part of it could be, you know, let's just get it away. Get, let's get this out of the way early in the morning. The guys are still going to all show up. You know, yeah. the morning, the mornings are kind of times where maybe they're typically in meetings or they're doing like photo shoots or all those types of things. So it's not like maybe, maybe they'll still be able to do all those things over the course of the morning with, you know, guys kind of it, like around and all that stuff. You know, I think the guys can still interact with all the legends during the day, all the got different guys that they're going to bring. I think it would still be a really cool opportunity for them to be around all that, but then still be able to take advantage of that night. Like, Hey, you guys had an awesome morning. You got to meet all of our alums. They're telling you all the great things about the city, not stuff. Right. Hey, let's get on, let's get, let's get out there. Let's go see the city. Let's go to dinner. Let's go enjoy all this stuff now that you, and you could still have all those experiences without the whole staff being preoccupied about, Oh, it's the morning of, of legends camp. We need to get ready for the camp. We need to do all that stuff. It's just like, boom, everyone's up really early registrations at seven 30 AM. Let's host the camp. We'll get, we'll be done by what one, two o'clock. And then you, you still have plenty of time to get through everything else that you need to, to recruit. do. So, Always yeah, so to recruit. And then of course, uh, you know, South Florida afternoons. I mean, who, that's kind of unpredictable. We saw one of the yes. seven on sevens get rained out due to a storm. It was pouring at the next seven on seven that they had to kind of stop it for a little bit, bring everyone back inside. So I think you got to try to maybe squeeze it into those morning hours where it's maybe less likely to rain and, and all those types of things. So I think there's a couple of different factors and none of those are reasons that I've heard. That's just right. kind of like the assumptions I've made in my head, just kind of sort of figuring out how I don't have an operate. issue with it. Do yeah. you? Like, no, I, like I mean, I, I don't. The first Paradise Camp was what, 2016? And it was kind of, it was, a, it was a loaded event in terms of guys actually camped, like guys actually participated right. in the camp. And it seems like just year after year after year since then, you know, the big time guys don't really want to camp anymore. They just like, if they do go, they just want to go to watch or hang out. So 
as as sad as it is for me to say, I don't know how much value there is in these elite camps in terms of 2023s. It's good right. to get the the young classes in there and get them working out, but just year over year over year, it just seems like more and more of the big, big, big time guys just decide not to participate. I mean, if I'm Miami, I'm kind of, I don't know. I mean, I kind of watched what happened with Jalen Brown on, uh, you know, the last Wednesday when they hosted that individual camp. I mean, he had workouts in the morning. He kind of came into Miami Immortals top and he kind of got the, you know, the nudge like, hey, Ben, why, why, why don't you lace up your cleats? Why don't you get out there? Right. You know, I, I think that they're going to try to encourage some of these yes, guys to get they out should. There. And I think that this staff, like, you know, again, I mean, this isn't a knock on anyone, but, you know, Brandon Innes, Mark Fletcher, you know, a, a bunch of these guys were at, were at uh, Paradise Camp last year, didn't work out. You know, and, you know, right. Marvin Jones, Earl Little Jr. did. Those are they guys did, that probably yeah. didn't have to work out, you know, less than maybe some of the 2023s at the time. So, you know, if I'm Mario Cristobal and all that stuff, I'm, I'm telling these guys, like, look, if you're going to be here, you know, maybe some guys just oh, hang I out. Agree. But if you can be out in Las Vegas and you can play seven, seven on seven games in, in three days, if you can go at, you know, you can be at Carter Park and play in a random seven on seven tournament, you know, on a random Saturday, you can lace up your cleats and run and, you know, do a couple one-on-ones in front of right. the University of Miami coaching staff. That's my take. Um, you know, I think these guys you. should compete, but again, will they is a, is a completely different story, but I'm, I don't know if, uh, if, if some of those guys that maybe don't have to decide to put on cleats and run around, I don't know. That's a, that's a probably an extra box that I'm checking off in terms of my evaluation of them. I'm totally with you, which transition to our next point. And this is, this is always, uh, you know, like you said, it can happen. It, things can change last minute. But who are some of the big names that you're expected to participate? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I, th- I feel like they're still kind of putting together a list. Uh, I know Derek Rogers, the cornerback, well, I guess wide receiver cornerback that they offered out of Orlando Jones. He's someone that's supposed to be out there, um, that's supposed to, you know, compete, work out for Jamel Dye. Um I know, I mean, this 2024 top 247 defensive lineman, Nigel Smith out of Texas. He's another one that says he's going to be at Miami, but, uh, you know, Jaden Wayne came last year, uh, you know, in a similar position as this guy, you know, just kind of ended up hanging out. So not exactly sure who's coming in camping yet. I think that they're still working on that, or at least are still working on getting that information to me. But, um, you know, I think it'll be what it is. And then the guys that just kind of show up and hang out. And this is South Florida. So, you know, how it was last. I remember last year it was just like, oh, Brandon Innes wasn't coming. And then the morning of Paradise Camp, he's like, I'm going to Coral Gables. So I think, right. uh, you know, when push comes to shove and time and the time actually, you know, get, get like gets here when it's actually Saturday, I could see some guys showing up. But I know a few you know, notable guys will be on official visits. Of course, I mean, we'll get to all those guys and a couple of local products as well. Yeah. But, you know, let's say like an Andy Jean type is going to be at Florida. Jalen Brown will be at Michigan. Um, you know, I don't think Christopher Johnson, he's Chris, a local guy. See, like he's someone I could see competing. I mean, he already yeah. worked out for Kevin Smith, but he's a guy that I could see showing up. I could see like maybe a few of those Dillard guys, like, you know, Armando Blunt, the, the 2025 defensive lineman. You know, I could see him being a guy that shows up. Uh, Antoine Jackson, the Georgia commit who's a defensive back. I could see him being one of those guys that kind of shows up. He's been around the program a ton. Um, I'd be interested to see if maybe some of these St. Thomas kids come and work out. Like, yeah, I would love for them to maybe get like a Conrad Hussey, a King Mac to come and, and potentially work out for them. I think those are two, you know, local safety products that, you know, I like, I mean, I've been a big Conrad Hussey guy for a while, so I would love to see him get on campus. Uh, he's keeping things really close to the vest for some reason. The, Con- the Conrad Hussey, he's a Penn state commit. Um, you know, I think he's at Florida state today. 
But uh, I, I again, I think he's someone I would like to see work out. There's a few guys, but no, no one that I know right now that's like, wow. Um, so we'll right. see if they're able to swing things together. Uh, I think hopefully later on today, maybe hope. I think I mean by the latest tomorrow early afternoon, I, I'd like to have an idea of who's there coming. There will so be a list. I hope so. I, I am. I'm. I'm setting a, t- a timeline for myself, but I can only do so much. So, um, yeah, I, and to be clear, right, for those that are not aware, uh, those who the guys who are visiting on official visits, they cannot participate in right. the camp. So they mm-hmm. cannot work out. That's an NCAA rule. So um, these guys that we're going to talk about now, they are all big, big, big time players, but they cannot participate in this Legends camp. But they can still be around the former UM players who do decide to come back and uh, help coach at the event. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, let's get into the loaded official visitors weekend. Uh, I think right now the list is 10 um, that we have on the website. Uh, oh, 11, sorry, it's 11. Uh, and let's start with the guy who, who it was looking like he was coming, but decided, I guess, to either reschedule or, or straight up cancel. And that's Nicholas Harbor. He is a five-star number seven overall player in the country at Archbishop Carroll in Washington, D.C. Probably the most impressive physical specimen in this class and quite frankly, in a long time. He's a guy that's six foot five, 225, probably projects as like a defensive end, maybe even a tight end, Uh, but he runs the 100 meters in 10.28. So total freak he has canceled his trip he was planning to come but he canceled it gabby do you think miami does get him down though sometime in the fall i I think so Uh, again i think that they had they set this visit up i think he has every intention to come down and see miami Uh, i think there's a junior olympic track meet this weekend and uh again that's something he takes super seriously you just rattled off that 100 meter time it's absolutely ridiculous uh at six foot five you know 230 pounds roughly uh, freak, freak, freak athlete, but I, this is a, a pretty big deal, uh, this track meet coming up. And I think you'll have a chance to run again against another class of 2023 prospect who's considered one of the fastest. I think he's out. I don't remember if it's Texas or California, but I think it's like something like Roger Pleasant or something like that. He runs like a, a 10, like high 10 ones or something crazy like that. So wow. I think that it's a, I think it's a pretty big deal. And, uh, so I think he's going to go do that, unfortunately. All right. So, uh, the headliner in terms of recruiting rankings uh, for this weekend is five-star offensive tackle Samson Okunlola uh, out of Thayer Academy in Braintree, Massachusetts, 6'5", 305, uh, number 20 overall in the country. He has already visited Michigan State. Um, what's what's the vibes there going into this visit? Yeah, um, for my for my money's for my money, uh, I think this is the best offensive tackle in the country. Um, I think he's just an absolute freak show uh, athletically. I know Miami is just abs- in absolute awe over this kid. I think they think he's just the absolute best that they got. Um, so yeah, I think that this is going to be a great opportunity for to, to show him what the program is. Again, a, a great weekend for him to be around some legends. Hopefully, let's say like a Bryant McKinney type shows up. Not saying that he definitely is, but I think he has in the past and. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I this is it would be a big deal for you know Samson Akinlola to shake his hand, and be like, hey, look, this is what you, we can do here at Miami. Uh, again, I think Miami has some early potential, early playing time to sell to one of these elite tackles. I know that was sort of their position with uh, Olaus Allen in. Uh, I think um, I think Akinlola might be the only true tackle that they might think higher of than Allen. And so uh, I think Miami's going to say, Hey, look, we have two, ta- both of our tackles leaving after this year. Uh, you, you could potentially walk in and be a, a three, four year starter at either one of those spots. So um, I think a lot to sell on Akin Lola. He's someone that they've been after relentlessly since their time at Oregon. I think the, uh, they were one of those top contenders when he was at Oregon, getting one of these five official visits is a pretty big deal. Of course, uh, you know, Alabama, um, Michigan yeah. state or a couple others that are in there. So Again, this I think it's a really big deal that they're getting him in for this. Next highest ranked guy is Jonel Aguero, who we've talked about plenty on this podcast as probably the top safety prospect they're chasing. Number 34 overall player in the country out of St. Peter's per St. Peter's prep in Massachusetts, six foot one ninety-five. Uh, he has already taken official visits to Georgia, Florida, and Ohio State. Georgia leads on the crystal ball. Um Announcing on July 23rd his commitment, Jonell has he visited Miami for the spring game. So, um, you know, there's definitely strong interest there. We've mentioned a ton of times Jamal Adai has a strong relationship with him. Um, I think Miami, everything I've heard, Gabby, is Miami feels good about where they stand on this. I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying that Miami's going to get him over Georgia, but I think Miami's confident on where they are. Yeah, I think that they are too. Um, again, you can't really rule out Ohio State ever for one of these defensive backs, just yeah. considering how they've kind of turned them out. Um, but yeah, Miami feels confident. Jamal Dye, you mentioned it, has been recruiting him for a long time, recruiting him at Georgia. He was a lead, he was a lead guy for for him over there, quickly pivoted to Miami. And I think Aguero already had some natural interest in Miami. Again, uh, I kind of go yeah. back to that June 1st day in 2021. Uh, when they opened up the recruiting again, I yep. mean, Aguero is one there. of the first guys on campus. So uh, he's, he's plenty familiar with the program. He came back for the spring game, spent some time in Fort Lauderdale working out with some trainers as well. So uh, spent time at IMG Academy. Again, he's been in the sunshine state, no stranger to all of this and the environment. Uh, I think Miami presents a unique opportunity for him, uh, you know, to just be coached up, uh, you know, maybe not one of these traditional programs, you know, like a Georgia who's, playing for who just won a national championship, Ohio state, who's a perennial contender, but really, I mean, there's not, there hasn't been a lot of programs recruiting the safety position the way Miami has at least at the top of it with James Williams, Avante Williams, and uh, you know, potentially even a guy like, uh, you know, Janelle Guerrero. So I know Jamal days put Miami in a really good spot there. We'll see how it goes again. Some people think Georgia, I think people think Ohio state's going to be tough to beat as well, but I'm really not sleeping on Miami. I'm, I, I think that they have a, a, a real shot here. Next guy, Malik Bryant. Uh, linebacker target we've talked plenty about on the podcast as well. He is from Orlando Jones High School, four stars, number 49 overall in the country. He has visited Maryland and Florida. He is going to make his commitment on July 23rd uh, with Peyton Kirkland, I believe, uh, who we discussed earlier, is currently visiting Miami as we record. Um, What's the vibes here, Gabby? Number one, well, one thing I want to ask you is, is this probably Miami's best shot, would you say, at landing a uh, top-level linebacker prospect? I think it 
potentially could be, but then just kind of even just talking to Malik Bryan and kind of hearing their role for him. Like, is he like going to be a true linebacker type? Or I think Miami might view more as like uh, an out, you know, like th- that Jack position, maybe like yeah. that outside edge edge type of rusher, which he really had a lot of success with early on at IMG and maybe transitioning more into a true linebacker as a senior. I'm not certain that that's the best fit for him. I, I don't know if he's one of those like true linebacker types, but I mean, from a ranking standpoint, yeah, probably. Uh, he's intriguing, man. Again, I don't know if he's a guy that you throw in the middle of that defense and, uh, you know, have him, you know, calling shots out there. But I think he's interested. I think he has a unique ability to get to the quarterback and, you know, right. to use his leverage to, to you know, definitely create some havoc. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I think Miami has a, an interesting opportunity to sell on him. And I think for what he does really well, Miami likes him a lot for that. So, yeah, maybe it could be their best shot at getting a big linebacker, at least for now. Let's see if maybe when they string together some wins. Uh, I mean, I, I've kind of made it pretty right. known that, you know, the linebacker recruiting is is definitely shuffling a bit with some guys maybe trending elsewhere. So I think Miami's going to have to make some moves. So uh, right now, it seems like Malik Bryant might be the, the prized guy at the position. Where do you think Miami stands right now compared to like Florida and Maryland? Yeah, I mean, Maryland's interesting, right? Just because, yeah. I mean, we saw what happened with Terrence Lewis a couple cycles ago. Uh, Brian Johnson's his name, right? Uh, yes. I mean, he, I think he's he, he's an awesome recruiter. I know he has uh, ties to the to the state of Florida. Was almost Miami's defensive ends coach uh, until Maryland named him a defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I think he's yeah, I think he's a really good recruiter. He has a couple of his teammates that they're recruiting heavily. Dylan Wade, a tight end, David. I think we both like uh, Derek Rogers, a guy that you know we've talked about recently because Jamal Day offered him as a cornerback. Uh, all three of those guys officially visited Maryland last week. Uh, Alabama again is if it's if my, if Alabama really wants him, I think that they might be tough to beat again. Just like the idea of Alabama, uh, Florida, of course, so close to home. I think that they're always going to be a factor in there. But I know he really likes Miami, and uh, again, I think this weekend, this 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 type of weekend is one that could potentially wow him. So again, a decision coming up pretty soon. But uh, again, one of these guys that after the visit, I'm going to be interested to see what the tone is. Monroe Freeling who is an offensive tackle out of Oceanside Academy in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, four-star guy, number 62 overall in the country. He has visited Notre Dame in Florida. He visited Miami on an unofficial visit uh, back in the spring um, and was impressed by everything he saw at UM. Um, but Notre Dame kind of stands out as a school that might be tough to overcome. What's the vibe going in on this visit? Yeah, uh, Notre Dame is a school I'm looking at. I thought Clemson was too, but they seem to be trending maybe away from that. Uh, maybe it's because they have uh, other targets that maybe they've zeroed in on. Um, one thing with Freeling, I remember just kind of talking to him after that spring unofficial visit was he was just kind of fascinated by like the culture of Miami. I remember him telling me that he watched the U documentaries. He was, you know, just kind of really interested to see why Miami was Miami. And as someone that walked away, literally telling me that he was just speechless about the program. Obviously he's making the decision to come back. I think Saturday presents a unique opportunity because if that's something he was actually looking at about Miami, he's going to see that at a really, really high scale, like really in literally in person with all these different alums being back and around the program. So I think, uh, you know, I, I do think it's a unique opportunity for Alex Mirabal, a, a highly touted offensive tackle prospect, um, a guy, again, from a size standpoint, is he one of those, you know, not saying a plug and play type, but a guy that can come in and potentially compete for a spot. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, maybe he is, but uh, I, I'm interested. Like, I think that 
I think Saturday is a big visit for him. And uh, I don't think he has a commitment date set. I'm sure he'll go see, probably go see Georgia, potentially some others um, at some point before he makes a decision. I mean, again, I'm still kind of looking at Notre Dame as, as the school, but I'm curious to see if Miami can make a move this weekend. Defensive lineman Jackson Howard, who we've talked about plenty on this podcast, at a Robbinsdale Cooper High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota, 6'4", 245, four-star guy out of uh, and number 96 overall in the country. Uh, his final four he's released is LSU, Miami, Michigan, and Minnesota. Um, he has visited all of those other schools. His Miami visit is now. Um, and I believe, Gabby, this will be his third trip to Miami this calendar year which I think is telling and, and you've always hyped or not hyped, but you've always let it be known that, uh, you know, whenever in the mailbag episodes, who could be the next to commit to Miami, you always make it clear that you like where Miami stands with Jackson Howard. Is this, is this an official visit that might be able to seal the deal? I think it can be just talking to him really after all these visits, uh, you know, I think Miami's done just a really good job recruiting him, like top to bottom. Uh, you know, at one point we thought that he was potentially going to be a tight end and Stephen Field was running the recruitment, but the, his father, Willie, has a really tight relationship with Joe Salave as well. So they've always been a part of it and he's kind of gotten both ends and that's kind of allowed him to develop a relationship with the entire staff and uh, just talking to him after the spring game. I mean, he, again, he just kind of always makes it seem like he really loves Miami, that the love he kind of gets from this staff is is different. And I think Michigan's made things really interesting. I'm sure LSU has as well. And of course, he's shown some love to his hometown team of Minnesota. But I mean, I'm looking at Miami right now and I'm thinking they got to probably they're probably the team to beat right now. They're getting that last final official visit ahead of that July 1st commitment date. We already have Riley Williams sort of on the docket for that day. Can Jackson, you know, could that potentially turn into a huge right. day for Miami? I mean, potentially Riley Williams, Jackson Howard on the same day. And, you know, we're talking about Miami kind of getting the ball rolling with recruiting, kind of have with these four guys, I guess, that have committed over the last seven days. Uh, Jaden Rashada potentially on Sunday. And then if you can flip that into July with a couple big time commitments in Howard and Riley Williams, I mean, Ooh. my, I think Miami goes on a nice little run. I think Jackson Howard uh, on July 1st could potentially be a part of that. And again, the sort of the event that is going on this weekend with all the different people around all the different people that are going to be in his, in his ear, you got Jason Taylor kind of talking to him. He's developed a great relationship with Rod Wright as well. Um, I'm looking at Miami right now as a, as, as probably the top contender and the only school I'm really Oh, the school I'm worried about probably most is Michigan coming off of that official visit last weekend. All right. Uh, wide receiver Nathaniel Joseph, local five foot eight, 170 pounder out of Miami Edison, uh, recently decommitted from Clemson, uh, ranks as the number 105 overall player in the country. One of the better pure slot receivers in the country went and balled out at one of Miami's seven on seven camps. Um, uh, Feels like this is kind of shaping up Gabby to be, as weird as this is, a Miami and Louisville battle. I know Texas A&M still kind of hanging around in there too because um, of the NIL factor. Louisville also, uh, you know, finding some money uh, for the NIL factor as well this cycle. Um, do you think that's fair to say Miami-Louisville battle at, at the end of the day though? Yeah, I mean, I think Miami, you know, early on, even when he was committed to Clemson, I mean, I think the I think the feeling was that Miami was probably going to be the school that eventually landed his signature. But 
you know, Louisville kind of emerged and we're seeing what they're doing on the recruiting trail. Well, they just had their biggest recruiting weekend, probably in program history. They had, they had the kids taking pictures with like private jets. They're at Churchill Downs, uh, you know, taking pictures there um, with like jockeys and, you know, like just this crazy, crazy thing that they got going on at Louisville landed the commitment from, you know, I think the, comp- or maybe two, four, seven sports is the number one running back in the country, Ruben Owens. They put together a fantastic class with a lot of West coast guys, Pierce Clarkson, Deandre Moore, Aaron Williams, uh, some big time names are trending for Madden Sanker, a guy that we're kind of going to get to here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Louisville is what they're doing is for real right now. I think they're getting, giving, uh, you know, Ray, Ray Joseph, plenty, plenty to think about. Uh, Miami is the hometown school. Miami's done a ton to get him and his parents on campus since, you know, this new staff arrived. I think Miami's still the team to beat, but I'm, I think that the, the gap between Miami and Louisville has shrunk pretty significantly over the last week or so. Uh, I don't think that this recruitment is going to drag on super long. I I don't think he's that type of kid. I don't think he's going to, I'm not, I'm not betting on him taking this to like early signing there or anything. I think he would probably really like to make a decision sooner rather than later. Um, I still like where Miami's at right now. I think Miami still feels confident about where they're at right now. They're very, they've been very aware of this Louisville stuff. When the Louisville stuff first came out, they weren't caught off guard. Like, Oh my gosh, Louisville. They're like, yeah, we like, they, they know what's going on. So I think Miami is fully prepared for this battle. And I think that they believe they're going to come out on the, on the winning end of it. So, um, I, I, I still like the hurricanes here and, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a big official visit weekend. Yeah. I think Ray Ray has said he would like to commit by the end of August. So, you know, it's a, it's a little ambiguous, but July, August, he'd like, he'd basically like to have it done by the start of his senior season. Um, what are your just thoughts on Louisville in general? Like, are you buying that? Cause to me, there's a big difference, right? Between, and we know this as Miami fans. Uh, there's a big difference between June recruiting success and December, February signing success do you i mean louisville does have deep pockets uh louisville has had like over the past 15 years louisville has had more successful seasons than miami um but the reason why i'm a little dubious on them right now is because it seems like their head coach scott satterfield doesn't like being there it seems like louisville people don't like scott satterfield you know they're poised to go what six and six this year. Um, what's like, does this have any staying power in your opinion? Cause I, I don't necessarily believe it does. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's about wins and losses, right? Like this class looks beautiful right. on paper in, you know, late June, but if, I mean, Louisville did not have a good season last year. Um, and they're dude, not going if, to this year. Probably. Exactly. I mean, unless so, Malik Cunningham goes absolutely crazy, Again, does this class stick together? Uh, I mean, I can I see would a lot keep of these all these Louisville guys warm for sure, for sure. I mean, I think if you're Texas or Texas A and M, you're not you're not you're not going to stop calling Ruben Owens. I think if you're any right. of these West Coast schools, you don't stop calling Aaron Williams. I think if you're USC, you don't stop calling DeAndre Moore. Uh, you know, I think that you kind of I think this is very much a wait and see situation because if Louisville goes out there and wins three games, four games, I mean, this could all fall apart if they go out there and win. I mean, what's like the baseline? Like if Louisville goes and wins seven games, do they keep this together? If they go like, you know, six and six, do they keep this together? Like, I don't know what it would take for them to really retain all this, but it just seems like 
maybe a little too good to be true right now. Uh, and again, it's fantastic. It looks great. The optics are awesome. Louisville's getting a ton of dudes on campus, but there's a difference between what a class looks like in June and what it looks like in December. I think one example, one very recent example is Tennessee. What yep. was it? The 2021 cycle where they looked like they're on track to sign the number one overall recruiting class. I think that absolutely just completely blew up for a multitude of reasons. But, um, you know, I don't, I'm not ready to just fully buy in on what, what's going on with that being said, with that being said, I think Louisville has had some success with South Florida guys. I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson, Tutu Atwell, Eli Rogers, um, Yasir, uh, Yasir Abdullah, who's there now, who's, I think one of the top linebackers in the SEC, uh, ACC. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that's from down here as well. So I do think it's an attractive situation for some Miami guys. I just don't know if, um, you know, how this actually plays out. I'm just really saying quick, if, David, I want to throw something in there because this kind of just broke. Riley oh. Williams transferring to IMG Academy. Okay. So that's a coming closer to closer South to home. Cl- cl- closer <laughs> to home, wink wink. I don't know, but that's a that feels that feels like a really big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's another tea leaf, right? Yeah. Um interesting. But yeah, Louisville, you know, I just feel like again, we're talking too much about Louisville, but and which is my fault. Uh, I just feel like if Louisville has an underwhelming season, they fire Scott Satterfield. If Scott Satterfield has a successful season at Louisville, he's then going to try and find a new power five job off of that success. Uh, so what I'm saying is if Nathaniel Joseph does for some reason go to Louisville in August or commit to Louisville in August, um, I I wouldn't sweat it, and I if I'm Miami, I would just continue to recruit him. All right, which brings us to another guy who's trend not another guy, but a guy who is trending to Louisville on the crystal ball, an offensive lineman, Madden Sanker, who's from South Paulding High School in Douglasville, Georgia. He is the f- he's a four star, number hundred and eight overall player in the country, interior offensive lineman. Visited Louisville last weekend for this big recruiting weekend they had there and he is getting some Louisville crystal balls coming out of that weekend. Um, what's going on here, Gabby, from a Miami perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Miami's going to try to have to hammer home that, that Miami might be the better place for him. You know, again, uh, I could see this one following Louisville's way for now, you know, and, yeah. and again, not saying that that won't last, maybe it does, but um, you know, it seems like Louisville's best position to, to get that first commitment. I remember when he was down in Miami the first time when I spoke to him, um, you know, this Louisville stuff was just kind of getting rolling. It was just like, you know, they're getting a lot of guys on campus. I think Aaron Williams had just committed. Madden Sanker was always in the thick of that. And, uh, you know, I kind of asked him like, Hey, what's going on with Louisville? Like, I feel like this is, you know, super random. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, they're just, you know, they're showing a lot of love and, uh, you know, it seems like a, you know, it's a cool place. And, you know, I really like the school and all that. So I think this is, again, they, I feel like they're identifying certain guys that they're kind of, kind of going all in on. And I think Madden Sanker is just one of those dudes that they found, they found their, they found, they found their way into and have just done a really good job of making them feel like a priority and feel like he's, he's needed there. And then, uh, Benefits of having a quarterback in the class and one with some notoriety like Pierce Clarkson, who uh, is leading the number one overall team in the country in St. John Bosco out in California. I think that the max preps preseason rankings just came out and they're on top of it. So um, I think uh, having a guy like that, a vocal leader, is, some, is, is, is another way that this can get rolling too. So benefits of having a, a top quarterback on board that's willing to go out and recruit. 
Next guy is is kind of a new name on the radar, right? Uh, cornerback Jalen Braxton, who is a Michigan State commit. He committed what, maybe two weeks ago? Is that right, Gabby? Yeah, um, it's a it's a weird situation because yeah, I, I'm not even sh- I'm not even sure if he's like actually committed to Michigan State because okay. I, I remember I followed him and you know all that stuff when he offered and all that all that good stuff and he he did he publicly committed to Michigan State but you kind of surf through his social media now and there's no trace of that announcement. Um, he soft uh, he, commit then. Yeah, I mean a he soft commit. I don't really even know how to describe <laughs> it. He went to Arkansas the next weekend after that Michigan State uh, commit uh, commitment or quote unquote commitment. And, you know, he, apparently he was telling some people that, you know, he was going to quote unquote flip to Arkansas. Uh, so Arkansas might be in a really good spot now, too. But, you know, I don't think he ever made that official. And then now he's going to Miami after potentially feeling like Arkansas was a place. So, you know, in my head, I'm just like Miami might get the last visit of, of June. He seems to get, you know, I, I don't want to call it visit highs. I don't want to make it seem like I'm disrespecting the kid or, you know, yeah. saying that he, you know, can't make a an informed decision or whatever it is. But it feels like if Miami shows him a really good time, I think that's, a, you know, a recipe to potentially get the kid on board or just have him really feeling Miami. Uh, I think one thing of note with him, he was teammates with Elijah Arroyo at one point at Frisco independence. I think he plays at Frisco Lone Star now, but uh, mm-hmm. his older brother was Elijah Arroyo's quarterback uh, at oh, independence. Okay. So um, yeah, it's like Braylon Braxton. I remember we were kind of talking about him at the time because he had like crazy numbers and I forgot who he ended up signing with. I think he signed with um, Tulsa, Tulsa or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And um, so you know, I think that there's a relationship there. And uh, if I'm Miami, I'm I, uh, I'm sticking Elijah Royo as his player host. And I'm making sure that he stays in his ear because, uh, again, top cornerback who has some verified speed numbers. And uh, I think has done a lot of big things playing some some, you know, high classification Texas football. Yeah. Six foot guy, 10, eight in the 100 meters, number 248 overall in the country. Uh, four star guy, of course. So we'll see there. Uh, Miami's looking for corners. So. We'll see if they can make an impression there. Um, next guy, defensive end. I'm going to need your help again saying his name. Yeah. Collins, Archmia, Archimpong. It's not, I can't, I heard his name on, I guess it was probably Monday. I heard his name and I was just like, I need to remember that. And I forgot it. It's, it doesn't sound like anything like it said. It's like, it sounds like very simple when, when it comes out of the mouth, but I can't remember it now. It's like, a, a, a comp or I don't know. It's something weird, but I, I just say a key and pong. I just kind of like sound out every letter, but I know that that's not correct. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like probably Michigan lean right now. I think that's okay. kind of like the vibe with his recruitment. Uh, he took an unofficial visit there earlier in the spring or something or something like that. Uh, went back for an official visit. And uh, if I'm, I mean, I haven't, I didn't click on his profile here, but yeah. Okay. Michigan's leading on the crystal ball pretty unanimously. Uh, so uh, I think the Wolverines are probably the team to beat there. Uh, he's always kind of said Miami's recruiting him the hardest. And look, with a lot, we're seeing how kids are kind of popping on these commitments. Uh, I feel like, you know, especially some of the top recruits are just, you know, making their decisions already. He did not commit to Michigan, which I think is pretty notable sure. because a lot of these kids, when they're falling in love with said school or wherever it is, they can just be like, all right, this is where I want to be. I'm done. He is coming down to Miami as of, you know, Wednesday afternoon. So, um, you know, not ruling out the hurricanes. I think he will, he's always wanted to give him a look. He's always said that they're kind of the school recruiting him the hardest. I know I mentioned earlier in the year, he was kind of, uh, you know, one of, I think my first like stock up stock down articles, he was a guy that, you know, I put in that stock up. He hasn't played organized football in like two years because I believe his school canceled, uh, the football program with COVID and all that. So he's from California. Yeah. From California. I believe he's from Ghana originally came to play basketball. And, uh, you know, 
from what I heard about him early on, uh, his freshman football tape was offerable. So I think mine is really excited about him. I think they think he has a crazy high ceiling. Uh, don't want to throw out any crazy comparisons, but six foot seven, 254 pounds. Um, I think that that's a, I think that those are measurables. You kind of roll the dice on. I would be, right. I'm super intrigued to hear what that wingspan is going to be. Cause I have a feeling yeah. it's going to be just absolutely wild and uh, can't really teach that. So again, someone mine you really, really is intrigued by. Next guy is Jonathan Klein. Kind of a, I mean, we've talked about him in the past, but yeah. he is kind of an under the radar target. I feel for yeah. Miami, this cycle, uh, six, four, two three-star guy at a Cartersville high school in Georgia. Um, he has visited UCF, Memphis, and East Carolina. Um, so he seems to be getting a lot of G5 love. Miami has been high on him from the jump, though. Uh, and, and I think what they like about him is his physicality in the run game. Uh, and he did visit Miami. I forget. Did he visit Miami for the spring or on Elite Prospect Day? Yeah, it was, for, it was for Elite Prospect Day. Okay. And uh, I mean, really just eye test i mean this is an interior lineman i think yeah. I, I mean i'm kind of surprised like Solid. i don't know maybe, maybe there's something i'm missing but seems to you know kind of looking through his instagram and i mean twitter and all that stuff seems like he does some work in the weight room seems like a guy that's right. kind of all in on that physically looks every single bit of six foot four 295 um i'm not sure exactly what like what it is here i mean complete competes in track does a uh, the shot put and discus which are always positive signs um, again, I mean, he's, he's a massive person and, uh, you know, just kind of having some conversations, it seems like someone that if Miami gives the green light to, it seems like they're in the best position to get him. Uh, I know UCF will be a power five programs here soon, right. but as of right now, they aren't, uh, ECU and Memphis are not, are not power five programs either, both good pro programs, good, solid programs, but Miami, definitely the, the biggest one out there. So I think if Miami gives him the green light, this one being his last of four official visits, I guess could potentially hold on to one, but it feels like if Miami wants him, they'll probably get him. So I think that that will, I think this is an interesting one to watch. If I'm putting someone on commit watch this weekend, how we've seen with maybe Mike Keska and Carver, where maybe it's not immediate, but coming off the visit, uh, Jonathan Klein's probably someone I would throw on there. Do you think he has a green light going into the visit? I think he might. Um, I think he might, uh, you know, as, a, as an interior guy. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's some of the tackle, you know, tackle guys that they might really truly like as interior guys. But I do think he's someone that once they kind of, you know, are in the room, because remember, he came for the elite prospect day. That was kind of hectic uh, to say yeah. it nicely. I think this would be a chance for them to actually sit down with him, maybe sit in the film room with him with Alex Mirabal. And I think maybe they'll get a better feeler of, of him. So uh, I think my, I think that decision could potentially get made this weekend, but if I'm guessing uh, kind of knowing how they, yes. I would I would definitely guess. Yes. Like he's someone I mean, that this is a big time weekend. That's yeah. an indicator too. Like, yeah, exactly. They're not bringing in scrubs this weekend. Right. Right. So, yeah, um, I think uh, I think Klein is, is definitely a name to know. And he's always someone that's kind of gotten brought up as a as, as one of these interior linemen. And again, kind of looks the part two. Tommy Kinsler uh, recently committed to Florida last weekend after he took his official visit there. You mentioned on the inside the message boards that that kind of came as a surprise to Miami. Uh, why did it come as a surprise? Just because they expected him to not make a decision until he had taken his Miami visit or what was the sense you got there? Yeah. I think they were just pretty surprised that he jumped on that Florida commitment when he did without kind of getting to Miami. But from what I understand, uh, you know, I know Blake Alderman at the Sw Swamp 24 seven reported that Tommy Kinsler still plans on taking 
that Miami official visit, what that tells me, again, this might this might just be an educated guess, or I don't know, maybe just a guess, is that he Florida's kind of loading up on offensive linemen. I think they already got right. a few on board with uh, with Najee Harris at IMG Academy, Bryce Lovett, I believe at Rockledge, uh, maybe a couple other guys that are there on board, and maybe Tommy Kinsler finally got the green light from Florida. I was like, I need to hold my spot, like I need I need to make sure I got a place somewhere. Um, right. So yeah, I think that kind of maybe caught. Uh, Miami off guard because I mean I feel like I've been pretty consistent in reporting that this is someone Miami really likes like this is someone that they value as a as a potential tackle prospect and uh, you know he's pretty high up there on their board so I don't think Miami's super worried about it because again he is visiting and I think that they have faith in like you know what they have to offer and I think and he hasn't been on campus yet he's someone that that did not come for a spring unofficial visit I think the only time I ever saw Tommy Kinzer was for a Miami home game last fall he and, came, uh, he did camp last year for Garen okay so he camped last year um yeah. came back and for, I thought he looked good yeah I mean I think Miami really likes him again I mean the ranking might not you know again I think right. we have him we have him as an 85. Right now, um, you know, I, I, again, Miami values him. I mean, from what I understand, he's pretty up there on the tackle board. Uh, there's some pretty notable names that I think he might be higher on. Uh, you know, that might be he, he might be above. And uh, so I know there's someone Miami really likes, and they've liked him for a long time. So I think they were just kind of surprised that he jumped on board without, you know, maybe seeing the Hurricanes first. But um, again, I'm not sure that that's something that they're too concerned about right now. I think they feel good about what they what they can do this weekend. It'll be interesting. I do think it's worth noting that. Ocala Trinity Catholic is kind of a, a Florida pipeline, right? Right. Yeah. So that's, a, it, that's a Florida area for sure. Right. Anytime that school has a big time player, nine times out of 10, they end up at Florida. So we'll see. Um, Gabby, next thing I want to talk about is your most likely to commit next article, right? You highlighted Jaden Rashada, who we've kind of spoken about here already. Uh, Nathaniel Joseph, uh, Jackson Howard. We've talked about those guys as well. I think now, like uh, you, you published the article before uh, the crystal balls and all this IMG Academy information came yeah. in, but you'd put Riley Williams in there now, right? Oh, absolutely. I would definitely throw Riley Williams into the mix there. So I want to talk about two guys in particular you have mm-hmm. uh, on in that article. And let's start with offensive lineman Connor Liu who took his official visit to Miami, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, why did you include him? Yeah, I mean, again, I just kind of just feedback I'm getting. Uh, you know, I kind of, I feel like I kind of pounded the table that Clemson felt good coming off of that official visit. But I mean, again, just kind of talking to some sources, uh, it sounds, I, I think Miami feels like they've positioned themselves in a really good spot here. And, you know, he's someone that they see as a center, as a center prospect, um, you know, again, they, I think they're kind of hammering home the Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal, you know, that type of coaching and development. And even just talking to Lou coming off of that last visit, he sounded to be kind of bought into to that in terms of just like, he understands that Miami has that to offer. And it might be potentially the most unique situation out of all of them. I mean, I think Clemson's very intriguing, but they're kind of going on a run are, are, are there. And they kind of stacked up on the offensive line too. Um, so I, again, I think Clemson's definitely a factor there. He's got to go see Georgia this coming weekend. I'm not ruling out the Bulldogs again, if they make a push, that's his in-state program. Auburn's in the mix there too. But uh, you know, I mean, people at Miami are feeling pretty good about what they did. Uh, again, he's someone that's been at 
down around the program a few times, came once to a home game last year, uh, came down for a, a spring unofficial visit where they were kind of able to show him everything that they needed to show him. They got a definitely got a refresher from that during the official visit. So uh, a couple commitments have already come out of that weekend um, with some of these guys. So, uh, you know, Connor lose, maybe just another one. I'm not throwing in a crystal ball or anything like that. I'm not saying Miami's definitely landing him, but I think there is some growing confidence that Miami's put themselves in a, in a good position. And then the other one, you know, he's been a guy that we've felt good about for Miami for a while, uh, but wide receiver Jalen Brown. Yeah. Um, you still feel good about him, even though he's, you know, he's doing his due diligence and taking all his official visits. Looks like he's really not going to take one to Miami, which it would be rare if he did then commit to Miami, right? So that's fair to admit. Um but what's what's your latest vibes on Jalen? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like he's just around the program so often. Like again, he kind of he kind of just goes and hangs out at Miami. He's gone and just like hung out at Miami sometimes. Like there was a day he didn't have school, and he basically like his dad pretty much dropped him off at Miami as if they were going to school, and didn't pick him up till like seven o'clock at night. It's just like those types of things where I feel like he's just so comfortable with the program. I think they've just done such a good job of recruiting him. Josh Gaddis has been at the forefront of this dating back to his time at Michigan again. And, uh, you know, I kind of wrote this and, you know, put Jaden Rashad at the top as a guy that's committing on right. Sunday, you know, if Jaden Rashad hops on board, I mean, I think that automatically elevates where Jalen Brown thinks about Miami. And that that's that. I already think Miami's in a really good spot there, but those two have some chemistry. They have a relationship. Um, so if Jaden Rashad is on board again, we talk about how the quarterback impacts other players. I think Jalen, I think that that might be all Jalen Brown needs left to decide, Hey, you know what? Miami's where I want to be. And I'm not like a part of me thinks that he already feels that way, but he's just kind of going and seeing all these schools and, you know, enjoying his process. But I mean, again, like just my gut tells me Jalen Brown wants to be at Miami. He's just kind of seeing some of these other schools. Um, and I think Jaden Rashada could potentially be just the final, you know, the final domino that falls to, to him just being like, okay, yeah, like I'm good. I'm at Miami. This is where I'm going to be. He's already going to have that, you know, uh, LSU official, that Michigan official, and then, you know, have, you know, kind of enjoyed that process a little bit with going to see some other schools as well. I think, uh, you know, that's where Miami could potentially just, you know, that, I guess that could be like the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, that just kind of is the last thing that, could happen for Jalen Brown to be like, all right, you know what? Yeah. Let me just kind of do this. I'm all in and uh, let's get this thing rolling. Do you feel like any of these official visits he's taken has impressed him? Like any of those schools in particular kind of standing out? I think LSU is a legitimate threat. I really do. Um, You know, I think that they had a really good, a really great time over there. Again, he has a long relationship with Brian Kelly. Um, he's going, he is going to see these other schools. And I do think the family's staying open-minded. Like, I think they're really going to these visits to kind of see if any of these places could be a fit for him. And, uh, you know, again, going to go up to Michigan, a place where I feel like he's really enjoyed himself. Um, you know, the family's been up there before, uh, but I mean, right now, I think if it's not Miami, if like, if, if it's just like, this isn't happening, Miami's not happening, my money would be on, on LSU, uh, just because I think that that's a spot where he could potentially see himself. Um, former athletic director at Gulliver kind of had a really quick, uh, career path change, ended up becoming the athletic director at Dartmouth for a period, and then was quickly hired by LSU to be the, uh, the associate athletic director, um, I, I believe for football, I'm not sure if it's for all of athletics, but so the Gulliver's former AD who was AD like last year is now at LSU. So there's, okay. there is a sense of, you know, he kind of knows people around the program as well. Right. Um, 
last thing I want to talk, just reiterate uh, before we get out of here is decision dates are being announced, right? And we've kind of already quickly gone through these, but let's just highlight them again, right? The ones we know right now, and we might be missing one or two as well, uh, but just kind of the ones we quickly already put together. So the first one to know, Jaden Rashada, the quarterback, uh, is going to announce Sunday, June 26th. Uh, seems like a Miami, Florida, Texas A&M deal. Uh, then you mentioned, Gabby, July 1st is going to be an interesting date for Miami fans. That's when uh, Riley Williams, the tight end uh, who is transferring now to IMG Academy, uh, will announce, and Jackson Howard, the defensive lineman out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, is set to announce. Um, I also, th- correct me if I'm wrong, but Jaden Rashada going to be on CBS Sports HQ, right? right? All three, all, all of the, the major announcements are on, are on CBS HQ. So J- Jaden Rashada, Sunday, and then Riley Williams and uh, Jackson Howard are also on HQ. Right, and those times are to be announced, still haven't been set as far as I know. Um, I think then another one to talk about, Tamir Robinson, uh, July 15th. So he visited earlier in this cycle. Uh, I think he plays kind of like as a, in high school, he plays defensive end and safety. Miami likes him as a linebacker. I know coming off that visit, you felt like, yeah, Miami, Miami did their thing, but, you know, Penn State's kind of the local team and, and that might be tough to overcome do you still feel that way yeah I think Penn State uh again I I, I mean he's always kind of said that my family's always wanted me close to home I think right. I think if he does leave it would be like I think his top three is Penn State Virginia Tech Miami I think it's really Penn State and Miami right now I think he's probably weighing out whether he wants to you know stay closer to home or come down here um right now um uh, I right. think my money's on on him playing for Manny Diaz and the Penn State Nittany Lions all right. So yeah, plenty of time still, but that's the vibes right now. Uh, and then July 23rd is going to be a, an interesting day for Miami recruiting fans too. You got three guys uh, set to announce that day. You have right. Jonel Aguero, who we talked about earlier is visiting this weekend. Um, and then the Orlando area prospects, Peyton Kirkland, the offensive lineman and Malik Bryant, the linebacker slash edge rusher. Uh, again, July 23rd. So, uh, you know, Miami's kind of taking their time with putting together this recruiting class, but I do think the next month uh, is, you know, could potentially be uh, fruitful. Of those guys, Gabby, I don't need specifics on which ones, but it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven guys. Um, over under three and a half. What are you taking? Man, over under three and a half. I'll go. Let's go over, man. Let's just get this party rolling. All right. I yeah, the over could hit. The under is definitely very safe. Yeah, the so, under's the under's always safe, but let's get let's let's, let's juice the over. Let's ju- let's do it, bro. All right. So that's it for the podcast. Uh that was a long one. The megapod. That was a that was our, a lot. Our, our first official megapod, the Flint Michigan megapod. <laughs> that was a lot of talking. Yeah. Um, 
again, wanted to want to highlight the VIP subscription deal for Legends Camp Weekend uh, and in general, right? Recruiting's about to pop off here for Miami. Uh, Mario Cristobal is going to take it to a different level. So uh, if I was y'all, I would join the fun at InsideTheU.com. Uh, 60% off gets you an annual deal at 43 bucks. Uh, stay locked onto the website. More juice going to be dropped here in the coming days with Legends Camp approaching. And, uh, you know, our next podcast, we will have an instant reaction style podcast where Gabby and I recap everything. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for all your support. Until next time, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.